Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We are going to read a little more than I have printed in the bulletin. Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 26 and reading through 30. Then we're going to jump over to the 11th chapter for just a few verses. Uh, beginning our reading at the 26th verse of the 9th chapter. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed among the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then over in chapter 11, beginning at verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose after Stephen uh, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. And then tidings of these things, which came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul and when he found him he brought him unto Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the words that we have read from the scriptures. And we ask that you would reveal the truths unto us in this moment, that our hearts would be filled with your spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The term layman has come to be used of any group of people that are not considered professional. For example, uh, if you wanted to deal with law, you are a layman unless you are a lawyer in the subject. You are a layman unless you are a licensed doctor. In the church, we have come to use the term layman to refer to those people who are not the preachers or the pastors, basically those who sit in the congregation and are not the ones who 
do the preaching. Throughout the world, there are groups of laymen that have organized in order that they might carry forth the gospel. In West Germany, there is an interdenominational layman's group of, uh, that boasts of more than a half million members. They call themselves the Kirkentag. I don't know what that word means, and I know, don't know any German at all, but I know there is such a group. The Catholics have what they call the Christopher Movement. The Lutherans have the Lutheran Layman League. Southern Baptists have a strong group that they call Baptist Men. American Baptists, of which we have our with which we have our affiliation, have a strong group of people called the American Baptist Women. There's an interdenominational group of businessmen that call themselves the Gideons. I tried to join that group one time, and they wouldn't let me because I wasn't a layman uh, in, in their terms. A, a great group of, of men who do a tremendous work in proclaiming the gospel throughout the world. You can hardly go anywhere but what you can find a Bible that has been placed there by this group. Well, I'm not advocating or preaching about Gideons this morning. I'm simply using these introductory remarks to say that there are groups of lay people throughout our denominations of every denomination and perhaps even in every country uh, in which these people gather together that they might proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in some manner or other. I believe these are important groups because they do something that cannot be done by the, quote, professional people, if you want to use that term to apply to the preachers and the missionaries that make their living, if that is a good word again, to uh, make their living from, from that which they do and somebody pays their salary. There are tremendous groups that are not paid people in our churches that are proclaiming the gospel. In a war, the first thing that a general does is send in the big guns, and he bombards with the huge shells the target. And then after he has softened them up, he sends in the infantry or the foot soldiers to actually win the war. And some of you have been in that group, and you know that the foot soldiers are the one who really does the work. My point in using that illustration is to say the war against sin is conducted by the lay people who believe in Jesus Christ more than by the preacher who stands behind the pulpit. You see the big guns on television and listen to them on the radio and maybe hear them stand behind the pulpit, but the real war, the real battle, is in the trenches where the people live. And I point this to simply say that Barnabas was one of these trench people. He was a layman who performed mightily for the cause of Jesus Christ. You show me an effective church, and I will show you a church that has active lay people. They go hand in hand. Without an, an active lay group of people in a church, you will not have an effective church. It's got to be done in the trenches, so to speak. There are five things I want us to notice that Barnabas illustrates that I believe applies to the laity of a church that is so very important. 
Point number one, and if you want to make note of these, I'll, I'll give you the points as, as I get to them. Hopefully I will. Point number one, Barnabas is described as a good man. Verse 24 of the 11th chapter, Barnabas was a good man. If we are going to have the gospel lived and proclaimed by the church, it will be done by the lay people who are good moral people. Our testimony must be backed up by the life that we live. The gospel we preach must be seen in the lives that we live. And this was demonstrated by the life of Barnabas. He was a good moral individual. He was a man who had been forgiven of his sins by Jesus Christ, and correspondingly, he was a forgiving man. I'm going to say more about that in a moment. But Jesus said that if you come to the altar and there get ready to leave your gift, but you remember that there is somebody that has something against you, leave there your gift before the altar and go make it right with that person and then come back and offer your gift. We make it easy for people to, to contribute financially. I'm not going to say much about finances, just one other thing here in the sermon this morning. But in that day and time, they came down the aisle and left their gift at the front of the church. They had to put themselves on the spot. But the Lord said, if you are in the process of doing that, but you remember that you've got a problem with a friend or a neighbor, go make that right. We must be good with each other. And this was discussed somewhat in the Sunday school lesson this morning. We must be in unity with each other. Without unity in the church, there is going to be little good accomplished for the cause of Christ because uh, disunity will lead to strife, and strife will lead to discord, and discord will destroy the testimony of the church. So the church must be filled with lay people who are good people, who get along well with each other, who are more in the life that they live, who love each other, and who love the Lord. Second point, Barnabas was a generous person. Barnabas was generous. In the early history of the church, it was necessary for the people to bring their finances and put them into one pot, and then everybody received from that one treasury the, the things that they needed, the money they needed to live daily. Well, this is not advocating that this ought to be done today, and it was for a particular reason in that time, and it's not intended to mean that we ought to do it now. But the point that we can see back in the fourth chapter of Acts, if you want to go back there with me, in the very last verse of the fourth chapter, verse 37, gives us an indication of the kind of man that Barnabas was. It was not required that they sell everything they have and put all the money in the church treasury, but there were people who, who saw so keenly the needs of the church financially that they were willing to sell whatever they had and in order that they could take that money and give it to the common cause of the church to support the ministry that they had. 
And the 37th verse illustrates Barnabas' attitude along this line. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He saw that there was a need for the ministry of his church to be financially supported, and he was willing to give what he had and sell the property that he had and give the money to the church. Now, very immediately, in the fifth chapter, there were a couple of other people who did the same thing, Ananias and Sapphira. But when they brought their money, they lied. They said, we sold a piece of property and we've given all the money to the church, but the apostles knew differently. They had only given a portion of it. They were not required to give it all. They could have simply said, we're going to give this amount of our money to the church, or even made no comment about where it came from. But the point was, they lied about it, and they were, they were struck dead as a result, and that is another story completely. Barnabas was generous. We're coming up on a time here in a couple of weeks to see how generous we are with our finances as we support a particular project of this denomination and of this particular church in raising funds for the America for Christ offering, and we'll say more about that next week. And our young people have been giving us some demonstrations of that the last couple of Sundays. Barnabas was generous. Lay people, all people, must be generous with their financial means. Secondly, Barnabas was generous with his time. Again, you show me a church that is doing anything for the cause of Jesus Christ, and I will show you a church when the lay people are spending a lot of their time, all that they can squeeze out, in the service of the Lord. He was not a professional preacher. He was a layman in the church, but he went wherever was necessary. He made tours to Antioch and to Tarsus to find Saul, and eventually he ended up going with Paul on the missionary journeys in order that he could be of support to that particular ministry. The success of a church is directly related to the amount of time that the people will give to its ministry. Mark that down, and you watch it, and you'll find out that that's exactly accurate. The amount of time being willing to be given by the people of the church will be in direct relationship to its success in performing its ministry. All right, third part. Barnabas had spiritual insights. Barnabas was a, a person with deep insights into the spiritual matters and into the lives of people. He saw potential in other people, and he encouraged that potential to come out. For example, in the life of Paul himself, Paul was converted, you recall. And he came down to Jerusalem for the purpose of uniting himself with the apostles that he could be a part of the ministry. And the apostles, every one of them, said, no way. He's not going to join himself to us. We don't trust him. Don't you recall how he persecuted all the Christians and so on? And Barnabas, a layman, stood up in the midst of the apostles and said, now look, fellas, I have heard him preach. I've heard his testimony. He is a converted man. He no longer is a persecutor of the Christians. He believes in Jesus Christ. I believe in him. Let's give him a chance. And as a result of the encouragement of Paul, uh, of Barnabas, Paul became the great missionary that he was. John Mark is another illustration. 
who went with Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey. And Barnabas was a young man, and he got cold feet. He got tired of all the hard work and the stress that they had to go under, and he, he went home. Second time the missionary journey was being organized, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark again on this trip, and Paul said, no way. I'm not taking that quitter with me. Barnabas stuck by him, and Barnabas said, all right, if that's the way you feel, I'll go on my own missionary journey, and you go on yours. I'll take Mark with me. And Barnabas went off with John Mark and performed a tremendous ministry. Later on, Paul admitted his error and agreed with Barnabas that he had made an error. The Barnabas had insights into the personality of John Mark and even of Paul himself that made him a great supporter of the people who were in the pulpit. I'll never forget an experience I had as a young preacher. Every preacher, I suppose, goes through this problem. And I, I had it on that particular day of not, not being ready. I think a preacher has to study and prepare and be ready for the morning, morning sermon or the evening sermon or the Wednesday night. I don't believe in, in getting up and believe the Lord's going to fill my mouth. I just don't think he's going to do it that way. I don't think the scripture supports that. Although I have been around lots of preachers who say they don't know what they're going to say until they get in the pulpit. I think that's foolish. Nevertheless, I had problems on this particular morning. I prepared. I had my notes, but I, I just was not ready. And I was shaking in my boots because I knew I was not ready. And so I started my sermon, and the lady on the pianist, who was a tremendous supporter, uh, had arranged her music and had finally sat down on the front pew and just settled down and looked up at me, and I said, and let's sing the closing hymn. I had preached five minutes. And I was distressed, distraught. I was ashamed. I was everything that you could possibly imagine. If I could have crawled out of the church, I would have. I would have done anything to brought me out of that situation. And her husband, who was one of the deacons of the church, stood about six foot eight, great big man. After the service, when I, he was the last guy out, he just put his arm around me and said, Come on, I want you to go home with me today. And we walked home. And all of the way to his house, he bragged on my sermon. What a marvelous sermon it was. I knew he was lying through his teeth, but it sure did sound good. He said, well, it was a little short, but that's all right. We don't need long sermons anyway. He bragged and supported me and built back up my confidence so that I could face the congregation that night. What I'm saying is the congregation needs to be, support the preacher, yes. But I'm saying more than that. We need to have insight into those people in our congregation who can perform things in the ministry of the Lord, particularly our young people, and encourage them and support them and lift them up and hold them and do all those encouraging things that will cause them to go on and serve the Lord. Barnabas was this type of person who had spiritual insight into the capabilities of people. Point number four, Barnabas was loyal. Barnabas was loyal. If there is anything we need today in the church, it is lay people who are loyal to the church. This is one of the great problems we have in our churches today, is that the membership is not loyal to the church body and to the ministry of that particular church. We need loyalty to our individual church. We need loyalty to our denomination. We need loyalty to our faith. 
we had loyalty like we ought to have, we would see the world being one to Christ. But we have so much problem in trying to build up and encourage our own memberships that there seems to be little time left over to the actual preaching of the gospel to, a, uh, to the point of winning the lost. We need a church body that is loyal. It's quite easy to, to see who's loyal and who is not over a period of time, and you know whether or not you're loyal and whether or, or not to this church. And you know whether or not you're loyal to the ministries that it supports, whether or not you're loyal to our denominational efforts of our missionary giving, such as we're advocating and other things that we do. We need loyal people to our church. That's the thing that Barnabas was. He supported the activities of his church to the place that he was willing to do whatever it took in the ministry of that church. Point number five. Barnabas was humble. Now there are some people who either are the lead mule or they don't work at all. I don't know if any of you have ever had to work a team of mules. But, and I, I haven't either, but I've been around them and I know that those characters can be stubborn and sometimes if he can't be out in front, he's not going to be at all. And I experienced that with a team of horses one time when one of them just decided that she couldn't be in front, she was going to lay down, and that's exactly what she did. And I did nothing. This is what happens oftentimes in churches. That there is a need in the minds and hearts of some people to be in lead, and if they're not recognized, they're not going to play the ball game. If they can't be the pitcher, they're not going to play. We need a team of people in our church that will play the supporting role and will encourage and put other people in front and play that, that baseline role just like John the Baptist did when he with his disciples looked at Jesus and pointed to him and said, He must increase, I must decrease. And he supported and encouraged the people that he had as his followers to follow Jesus Christ. We must encourage people to follow Jesus Christ. Without concern to what position we might play, we must have supporters. In the early ministry of Paul's missionary journeys, you will find that it talked about Barnabas and Paul it was Barnabas and Paul. Then somewhere along the line, it became Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas took the back seat, and he encouraged and supported the ministry of Paul. Barnabas was not the preacher. He was not the leader on the missionary journeys. He was the support. But because of his efforts, and his ministry, many, many souls were won to Jesus Christ. I say again, Barnabas probably won as many souls to the Lord as did Paul, and maybe even more. The soul winners of any church sit in the pew. The people who are won to Jesus Christ are those who 
are in the trenches day by day. I agree that we need the great preachers of our denomination. We see them on television, radio, and they're in the pulpits. But I say more than that, we need the people in the congregation, in the pew, the great laymen of our society, where the work is really done. That's where greatness comes from. That's where souls are run to Jesus Christ. That's where the great ministries are developed. Because there is support there by people like Barnabas. For he was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit. And held up those who proclaimed the gospel. We will recognize him down through history. As the great supporter of the ministry of Paul. So we have said five things about lay people. We have said they need to be a tremendous moral character, good moral quality. We have said they need to be generous in everything, their money, their time, their talents. We have said they need to have deep spiritual insights to be able to look in the congregation and see those that need to be supported and uplifted and encouraged. We have said they need to be loyal, and we have said they need to be humble. You put all of these characteristics together and you have Barnabas. The question then stands before us this morning, how many Barnabas do we have in our congregation? Are you one? If you are not one, would you not become one? In order that the ministry of this church would reach the lost for Jesus Christ because of the support given by his members. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for the testimony of such a person as Barnabas. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.